I see creators as one of the best positions to be in, whether you know it's fitness or writing or whatever creator you want to be. But I see audience building as the core foundation that everything else is built upon. You just can't go broke. It's impossible to go broke. Like I tweet four times a day. I grow by a minimum of 100 followers, usually like 300 followers a day. And that comes out over a period of, of time that took me a few years to get there. But that's crazy. Like to, to get the amount of impressions I get organically is costs over $10,000 in ads. Good afternoon. We are here with the wonderful Dakota Robertson. I feel like this cha- this podcast is a real challenge for me, even to say the word Robertson, because I've just come out of the dentist. I've got half my face numb. So my face is going to look slightly more unusual than usual. And I'm going to avoid words that are difficult to pronounce. So <laughs> welcome aboard, Dakota. We don't do guests very often, but Dakota is a guy who I have seen go from zero to an incredible following. He's absolutely smashed it. And he's also destroyed this belief that people have online of organic is dead or that it's impossible to grow a platform a platform in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's a lot of wisdom that we can pick up from the big D himself. Dakota, before we start, would you rather be royalty a thousand years ago or the average person today? Oh, average person today. hundred percent. Okay. Why is that? Well, you look at what we have now. You know, it's, it far surpasses what any royalty had a thousand years ago. We got these these crazy devices right here that can. Uh, there was the technology that went to space, you know, not too long ago. So it's pretty crazy what you can build with that stuff. Even with just a shitty 2012, you know, laptop or something, you can build a crazy business or do whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, I think the essence of that is relative versus absolute wealth and status isn't it and you've just gone for quality of life you're a man that doesn't care about the the hierarchy no no maybe a little bit but not not to crazy about <laughs> not not to die of of typhoid and uh dysentery yeah, yeah so i'll pass on the syphilis i'll get this yeah. my syphilis on the side please <laughs> We just want a mild case of syphilis, just a, a dash rather than full-blown Yeah. Well, speaking of which, would you rather never wear socks again or never eat watermelon again? Never eat watermelon again. I'm fine. I, I, I'm not a big watermelon dude. I think it's good, but it's not. <laughs> I'd rather just wear socks. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the one you'd regret more if you could never wear socks and you find yourself in a pinch where you really need some socks and you think, oh, you know what? Watermelon can't save me now. Yeah. What am I going to do? And if you go running, man, that's, you're going to get all these blisters and that's so fun. So yeah, screw the watermelon. There's pineapple. Okay. I would definitely choose pineapple, but. Yeah, okay. Man. Cool. Well, that's settled it guys. End of podcast. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. Uh, see you next time. <laughs> So, Dakota, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know this is a really wanky question, but for anyone who doesn't know you, can you talk us through briefly your journey over the last three or four years that you've been visible online? Yeah, so I started, I didn't really use social media much. I only used it to keep up to date with crypto on Twitter. And I came across a course on how to grow on Twitter at up until that point, I tried a few different things with making money online, Amazon FBA, flipping mugs on eBay, shout out to Gary V, selling or repairing and selling broken iPhones, all of that, but I didn't have, nothing really stuck. So when I came across the ebook on how to grow on Twitter, I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, maybe I'll give this a go. And that introduced me to the whole, you know, money Twitter scene with all the young entrepreneurs making money, documenting the journey. And at that time, I was in my second year of college and I was learning more from these random people on Twitter for free than I was in college. So I just said, screw it, went all in. And yeah, I I started studying writing and all these marketing skills, eventually packaged it up into an offer where... I grow other people's social medias and 
get them more followers or get them more sales or whatever. Um, and that's called social media ghostwriting. So grew my own account, started growing other people's accounts and then scaled that up. And then now I show people how to start their own social media ghostwriting business. Nice. And I've seen this from the outside that you've been building in public and you're totally right that the information that's available from alternative education is orders of magnitude better than what you get in a traditional education in terms of return on investment, in terms of the competition that drives better quality. And you've been, you very much moved from the student frame to the expert frame as you've leveled up yourself and um, you've used the, the market as a way to kind of sharpen the ax. And that's, it's been really cool to see. You've also coined the term like full stack creator. Can you tell us a bit about what that means? Yeah. So going forward, I see, I see creators as one of the best positions to be in, whether, you know, it's fitness or writing or whatever creator you want to be. But I see audience building as the core foundation that everything else is built upon. So you have audience building, you're growing your social media following, then you stack on sales, you stack on marketing, you stack on whatever other skills, and you just can't go broke. It's impossible to go broke because the audience building, when you build an audience, see how many times I can say audience, but when you build an audience, you are not only increasing the amount of people that may become potential clients, but you're also warming you're warming them up. You're warming that pool up. So if you run an ad, you know, that person's cold. They don't know you. They don't know, like, or trust you. And it's way more work to try to get that person to become a client. But if you build an audience, then over time, those people are growing to know you. They're growing to like you and trusting you because, you know, you're putting out content. And if you do the content correctly, it's going to nurture them. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know Dakota or I know Joe or Bob or whatever. I like them. So when they do want to hire a personal trainer or hire whatever, they're going to go to the person they know, like, and trust, which is you because they, they know you over time. So super powerful in that aspect. And then also the compounding aspect. Like I tweet four times a day. and I grow by a minimum of 100 followers, usually like 300 followers a day. And that comes out over a period of, of time that took me a few years to get there, but that's crazy. Like to, to get the amount of impressions I get organically is costs over $10,000 in ads. So you look over a long enough time horizon and it's just absolutely bonkers what it compounds into. And then not only that, you hop on a sales call with a prospect and they've known you for a while. You're just, they, they put you on a pedestal and it's just way easier to convert people on sales calls. So there's all these benefits. And I mean, not to mention opportunities, right? You know, you get on podcasts or you get featured in articles or whatever. So I just see audience building as this huge opportunity and we're just getting started. Like the, the creator economy is going to double in the next, I think five years, Golden, Goldman Sachs says something crazy like that. So if you start building now, what it turns into in a few years is, is just mind boggling. And then the funny thing too is a lot of these creators, they don't understand marketing. They don't understand sales, they don't, whatever. So not only are you separating yourself by becoming a creator, but if you stack these skills on top of the, the audience building skill, you just, no one can compete. There's so few people that take the time to learn these skills. So I think it's a very lucrative opportunity going forward. It's such a good perspective to hear on that. Cause a lot of people, they, they see every kind of bull run of different platforms and they go, Oh, I've missed it. You know what? There's no point, no point in starting, but you're totally right that not only is there a compounding effect that I suppose, you know, you're seeing the benefits of the efforts that you put in three years ago now, but there's also this coalescing of different skills that you mentioned, you know, we normally see things with the hat of oh, lead generation is a different skill to sales, which is a different skill to nurture, which is a different skill to coaching with. But actually these start to really like blend into each other and create this ripple effect where you become unstoppable. You become this hedged version of yourself where all of these different skills are feeding into each other. And every time you learn one, every time you upgrade yourself in some way, those gains are locked in and then you can stack on top of them. So 
it's really encouraging to to hear you say that. I suppose the other side of it is that people see you at this stage in your journey and probably think, oh, well, you've you've always been amazing at all these different skills and there's no hope for me. I'm starting from zero. Oh, it's easy for you. You've got 200,000 followers, but how do I get started? Is there anything that you have learned from the last few years that you would advise to someone now if they're starting from zero? Yeah, just go viral, bro. That's all you got to do. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> so when I started out on Twitter, this is September of 2020, I started out, man, it was rough. I was posting generic content that sounded like it should have come from a fortune cookie, struggling to grow. You know, I was growing maybe five, three followers a day. Uh, my posts would get two likes or five or 11 likes would be like, whoa, this is crazy. So I was really struggling to grow. And I, I think I grew to 750 followers in three months. And that was me tweeting every day, five times a day, just going hard, writing a lot. And then there is this account that just grew to a thousand followers in 30 days. And I was, I was just dumbfounded. You know, I'm looking at this person just going crazy on the timeline, just growing like crazy. Meanwhile, I'm struggling. So eventually started talking to this guy, I hopped on a call with him and he, he was talking to me and he told me, yeah, man, I was in the same position as you last year. You know, I was tweeting, it wasn't growing, really struggling, you know, tweeting exact same stuff. You were self-improvement stuff and all that. I, I just didn't grow. So I quit, started studying copywriting and then came back and started teaching on the timeline and lo and behold, I started growing. So I just got my gears churning and just thinking, okay, this guy's teaching an actual skill and he's providing value on the timeline. And because of that, people value him and they're following him. My mistake was I was tweeting stuff just to get the likes, just to get the impressions, you know, what sounds good, right? This guy was teaching a hard skill and actually educating people, giving actual advice. So that's when it clicked in my head. It's like, okay, to be valued, you got to provide value first. So I switched my account. I restarted, rebranded myself as a writing account, started educating myself on writing and applying what I was learning, then teaching it on the timeline. And I just started doing more volume with comments. And lo and behold, I grew to a thousand followers in 40 days. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, you actually give something of value and people are like, oh, I want to follow that. So <laughs> it's the route I've been, I've been going for all my ghostwriting clients, all my students. I tell them, teach a skill, give actual advice in a domain that you have interest in and that there's market demand for, and you will grow. If you're giving valuable information, actual advice, and you know, you're getting that in front of the right people, you're, you are going to grow. It's just, it just makes sense. The incentives are in line. Biggest mistake people make, the mistake I made, you know, you're just tweeting or posting content that sounds good. You know, the motivational quotes. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all you're posting, you know, people can go to those stupid motivation accounts on Instagram to get that stuff. What makes you different? It's, you know, actionable advice, you're providing value and also your story. So really double downing on both those aspects is, is crucial. I love that framing because a lot of the time someone going into the market of what can I, what can I extract from the market? What value can I get from other people? How can I elevate my own status with more followers or whatever, rather than thinking, what can I give to the market? How can I be of value? And I think, you know, I'm not blaming the people that think this way, but I think the make money online world is partly to blame with this because it's very much framed as here's what you can get if you, you know, and it won't require any effort and all this. And so there's a sense of entitlement that you sometimes see with people, both on the free end and on the, the paid end. Sometimes people will sign up with you and they'll, they're like, well, I've paid you, so the clients should fall in my lap now. And there's maybe not an appreciation of the amount of work required in getting an online business off the ground, but also the framing that's required that, as you said, you have to be of value to be valued. And so I'm so glad that you started with this core essence of like, you have to have a skill that solves a problem for someone that they would be ultimately willing to pay for, or at least willing to pay with their attention. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, I think about, you know, how much money would you pay for a water bottle if you weren't thirsty? You probably wouldn't pay anything. You know, you're not 
you don't really want it. Maybe you would. I don't know. Maybe you want to stay hydrated. But you wouldn't pay much. How much money would you pay for, for a water bottle when you're thirsty? You'd probably pay, you know, three bucks, two bucks, whatever it is. How much would you pay for a water bottle when you are in the middle of the desert, you are dehydrated, you know, the sun's just beating down on you. There's no nothing, no civilization in sight. And someone offers you a water bottle, but they say, yeah, give me $1 million or everything in your bank account. You would pay that because you're in such a big pain point that, you know, you have no other option. So the bigger pain point you solve, the more money you can make, right? So and the more you can grow a following on whatever social media platform. My buddy's girlfriend, she has no social media experience. She's a physiotherapist and she creates content around how to solve back pain. You know, people have back pain, you know, such a big problem, such a big pain point, literally, that is for people. She created like 60,000 followers in three months just posting reels and they're not even high quality, you know, production. She's just like off the phone, just showing exercises. So you just want to think about, you know, what, what pain points am I solving and how am I helping people go from pain island to desire outcome island, right? So pain island is a terrible place to be. Uh, <laughs> Do not and you're right. You know, back pain is a, um, is a really hot topic. Like, like you said there about your initial growth from zero to a thousand, sometimes you'll be posting stuff and then you'll just feel like you stepped on a live wire and you're like, whoa, okay, that was a, a real hot topic. And you get there by posting a large volume of stuff. Some of our highest ranking videos on YouTube are back pain related. And I wasn't making the videos to try and rank on the Google search terms. I was just doing it because I struggled with a disc injury and it was causing me pain. And I thought, okay, I'll document my findings and post it out there. And lo and behold, as you say, so yeah, I think this value framing, super important. And it's the counter to the sense of entitlement that if you're going to go out onto the internet and expect people to pay you attention and pay you money, you've got to be doing something that's, that's worth that. In that process, let's say someone's like, all right, I'm on board with the fact that I'm going to have to be somewhat useful, <laughs> but where do I start? How do I find my, my niche and my offer? Um, loads of people, personal trainers, particularly because when you're working in a gym, for example, your niche is just anyone who lives within a 10 mile radius of your gym. And so you never really have to think too hard about solving a particular problem because you've got the leads kind of coming in the door and they're already there hot and ready. So, <laughs> so <laughs> how do you make that transition for somebody who's moving online to decide on the initial problem that they're solving in their niche? Yeah, well, I would look at, okay, what problems have you overcome? Like, what do you have experience in? What do you enjoy talking about? Right. Maybe I'm a big carnivore guy and I love talking about, you know, meat. <laughs> I love meat. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe keto, right? Or, you know, like how did you go about losing weight or how did you go about, you know, gaining muscle? You're talking about that method. Um, but I think it's a fine line, right? I think people can niche down too much. You know, like I talk about my contents around, how women over 60 uh, can use the keto diet to lose, you know, X, Y, Z pounds in, you know, whatever days. Um, I think if you go too niche, then you're, it's going to be harder to grow because people, you're just like blocking off a certain amount of people. Um, and I think if you go too, too broad, then it can be hard to distinguish yourself amongst everyone else. But the way I look at it, the way you're going to separate yourself is really with personality and your story, how you deliver the information. Because at the end of the day, if you're a personal trainer, it comes down to you know move more, eat less. You're like, there's only like a core, you know, principles that really work, right? And there's just different ways of doing those core principles. So I think when it comes to content i think you can go more broad but you know deliver more personality or uh, give really good information like actual information and then when it comes to your offer maybe go a bit more niche you know talking about keto or whatever kind of mechanism you want to use to separate yourself from other people but uh yeah i think when it comes to content i think you can go more broad 
to be honest, because that's going to what's going to get the traffic to your profile. You know, you could touch on different uh, benefits and cons to different approaches and all of that. Or you can even call out different approaches. Maybe you don't like veganism or maybe you don't like keto and you can call it out and that'll get traffic to your profile. And then people check your offer and, you know, see it's like, oh, this might work for me. But what I found is really personality sets you apart. And if you have an interesting personality, you have interesting takes, interesting stories, that's what's going to resonate with people. And when people connect with you, you can even have a shittier offer than someone else. If they connect with you and like you, they're going to be like, yeah, I want, I want that person. I'm going to hire that person to help me with my problem. Interesting. So there's some overlaps and some differences with the structure of our business. So for context, probably 80 to 90% of propane as a business is driven by paid traffic. And so the audience targeting and the niching and the content style differs slightly compared to someone like Dakota, who I don't know if you, do you actually run any paid traffic or are you entirely, okay, so no. you're entirely organic. Okay. So I guess thinking of this with two different hats on, as Dakota said, if you're testing lots of different angles and different content, you can afford to do that for free with posting content because it doesn't cost you anything to create a short or a reel or something. And you can throw the net wide, see what resonates and actually hone, hone in on what is working. And it's a great sense of freedom, particularly with platforms like Twitter X, because you can bash out loads of different ideas and each tweet or each post has a shot at gaining some traction. I also think the, the overlap between the organic hat and the paid hat is the personality, as you've said, because people don't buy coaching, they buy coaches. And so a lot of that is about just being unfiltered, taking the brakes off and just being as silly as you, as you are, because that's, what's going to attract someone to you. And that's probably what attracted to you, you to us to listen to this podcast. For example, if you follow Dakota, it's what you attracted you to him. If he was just a marketing textbook, it's completely dry and there's no, there's no joy in that. You know, you're going to scroll on and find something more exciting. So letting go of the brakes and just being your fullest self online is, is massive. And then you have your niche, which is kind of the intersection of the person, the problem and the outcome. And I guess, depending on whether you're running paid traffic to a targeted audience, or if you're doing organic traffic, that's going to determine the weighting of how heavy you go on the outcome in your content. So whether you're talking about the benefits of the outcome and the, the costs of not following the process and other methods that someone might have tried and all of that kind of stuff. And you then, you then create this like more and more focused scope towards your target client. I mean, I think about Greg Doucette. I don't know if people know, but he was, uh, he was posting videos on YouTube and they're very, you know, very educational, but they were also like very dry, you know, very cut and dry. And then he started going, he started leaning it more into his crazy personality, like just like flaring his arms out and, you know, just yelling a lot more. And it was funny as he started getting more views because he was just, he was more entertaining to watch. He was just some crazy guy, you know, sounds like uh, some kind of parrot from a Disney movie, I think. And, yeah, it's uh, very, very cartoonish. It, like, yeah. if, if you don't know who Greg Giuseppe is, by the way, go and have a look at him on YouTube. But before you watch him, scroll back to... 10 years ago of his first videos. He's like, Hey guys, it's Greg. You said, I'm uh, just eating some sweet potato here. I'm going to go and train my arms. And, and then like 2023, he's like, yo guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just super animated, like cartoon voice. It's crazy to see actually. Like I don't, I, I can't quite process the, <laughs> the transformation that's, that's happened to him, but it's worked. It's probably made him yeah. a lot of money. hundred percent. Yeah. It's huge. So it's like kind of finding, different aspects of your personality and leaning more into it a bit, or if you're kind of quirky, you know, leaning into that, uh, it takes a lot of reps to get more confident with that. But over time you get, yeah, you get that confidence. You lean more into those different aspects and it's more entertaining. For sure. So in terms of like, where should you point the scope? If you're just starting, what we often recommend to the coaches that we work with is just look at your own YouTube history. Like, what is the stuff that you enjoy consuming? It's probably something that you're quite good at talking about and it naturally consumes you and therefore you'd be very easy to, to talk about and riff on. Um, anything else that you use for inspiration for content? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. 
I, that's what I recommend to people too. I say, look at your YouTube recommendations because the algorithm knows you better than you know yourself. <laughs> usually it's crazy. So that's a, that's a great one. And then also I would spend a good 30 to 60 minutes just writing down all your interests, everything that comes to mind, even if you think it's not relevant, just write it down on a list. And then also ask your friends and family, you know, what, what do you think of when you think of me? What am I good at? And ask them because oftentimes know, we're so focused on ourselves. We just think, you know, oh, everyone knows what I know, you know, the curse of knowledge. But when you ask your friends and family, they have that outside perspective and, you know, they'll tell you these things you didn't even notice about yourself. So uh, I would also recommend asking your friends and family, you know, what, what really separates you from other people or what do they think of when they think of you? That's a great way. But yeah, really looking at what social media content you consume. It's a, it's a great indicator. There's something that I'd like to expand on that you kind of hinted at a bit earlier. And this applies to personal trainers posting some content online. They've got 200 Instagram followers, mostly their mom and their mom's friends, and they're not getting traction. And they're, they've been told by business mentors that they just need to do loads of outreach and just message all their followers and just do cold outreach. They're uncomfortable with that. And they feel like the content they're posting isn't reaching the audience that they want it to. Now, you mentioned when you were growing from zero to a thousand, that you stepped up the volume of comments as well. Presumably this is improving. This is like a strategy to improve the kind of blast radius of your account and start intermingling with other influencers and people who are more aligned with that. But can you tell us a bit more about what you were doing there? Yeah. So this was for Twitter. This is the approach I took for Twitter back in the day, but to get, so there's two parts to growing on social media. There's the content and then there is distribution. So content, obviously, you know, content, you know, there can be personal stories, actual advice, uh, whatever. And you could have the best content in the world, but if no one's seeing, it, if you don't have distribution or traffic, that's seeing that you have the best post in the world, but it doesn't matter. You know, it's like putting whipped cream on dog shit. As I always say the worst now, I've tried it. It's yeah, terrible. yeah. I would not recommend. Um, and then distribution. So distribution comes in different forms. So if you want f- more free traffic distribution, then it would be commenting a lot. So when you comment on someone's page, you know, there's a, small percentage of people that are going to click on your profile. If you have a insightful comment or something that gets people to check your profile and some of those people are going to follow you because, you know, they liked your content, checked your profile. Oh, they check your content when they're on your profile. They're, oh yeah, that seems good. I want to follow this young chap. So <laughs> that's one way to get distribution. So I just upped the volume that I was doing that and I started growing a lot more. The other way you can get distribution or traffic is by paying other people to retweet your post on Twitter or share your post on Instagram or comment on your stuff on LinkedIn. You can pay like 10 to $50 per you know, repost and get traffic that way. So you're kind of skipping the step where you're commenting a bunch and you're leveraging other people's audiences to who have the audience that you want to post your stuff. And naturally, you know, some people are going to like that content that's posted. If it's good, they go, oh, yeah, I'm going to follow this person because it's just aligned. So that's a big cheat code that a lot of people don't know about. That's what I actually use for Instagram to grow to like 180 K followers and it's bonkers in like two months. I also hit a trend. So that helped too. But, uh, yeah, so there's different ways you can go about getting distribution and traffic. So comments is the main one that's free. And, you know, if you just do enough volume, people are going to click your profile and follow you. Interesting. And you did you have a set cadence and target number of like types of people that you would comment on? Yeah, so I basically looked at the people, okay, who has the audience that I want? And... You know, just started commenting minimum 25 times a day. It was usually 25 to 50 times a day. This is the moment I realized I wasn't doing enough volume. I was commenting five to 10 times a day. I was like, okay, why am I not growing? Then my friend Adam just casually mentioned he's commenting 100 times a day. I was like, what? (laughs) And he was growing a good amount. I couldn't figure it out. And that that was why, because he was just putting in so much more volume than I thought was necessary. So 
that doing that. And also it has the benefit when you comment on these people's accounts, these bigger accounts that have the audience you want, you're also developing a relationship with them. And if you have insightful comments or comments that aren't rephrasing the original post. Yeah. I was just about to say that, like you can tell when someone's doing it as a tactic, when they're just paraphrasing your original tweet in usually worse writing. hundred percent. Yeah. It's brutal, dude. Everyone's doing that. So when you come in, you're kind of joking around with the original poster or maybe you ask an insightful question or you add on to what they're saying, that stuff makes you look a lot better and actually makes the person you know, want to create that connection with you. And if you get these big accounts following you, then that's a form of social proof. You know, if I go to someone's profile and see 500 people that I follow this person, I'm way more likely to follow that person. So that's an underrated aspect of commenting a lot is you're getting exposure, but you're also developing relationships with these people, which can lead to different opportunities, you know, get social proof, all of that. Um, but I wouldn't comment just to, you know, take from that other person like, Oh, like how can I get them to follow me? Just go in with them as a normal human being. And if they're, if you genuinely like their stuff and comment on their stuff. And, yeah, I nice can stuff. sense that with the, the energy that you bring online as well. Like you're having fun and you're prolific as well with the, the comments. And it's like, that it's quite impressive that you can do that with the size of account that you have, that you're still doing some of the outside in stuff as well as the inside out. I think that's maybe the key thing that people are missing. If you know, the the classic 200 followers, mom and mom's friends that thinking, if I just post more to my mom and my mom's friends, that something, something's going to change. And you're saying, no, no, you need to go out and actually drive traffic to your account and start mingling, being social on social media. And then things happen. hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's hard to get discoverability without actually you know going out into the hunting grounds and you know getting people to follow you unless it's tiktok where it's organically built in you post and it reaches out instagram reels are kind of like that but not to the degree of tiktok at least from what i found but uh yeah interesting i suppose on the same vein a lot of people have an aversion to outbound marketing. And I I understand why, because they don't want to be cold messaging and spamming people and so on. But these are leads and people that you're speaking to who are potential clients. And if you're averse to speaking to them now, then why would they want to speak to you when you're actually coaching them? So that's another aspect of of the whole thing that people sleep on. I'm not saying it should be 100% of your marketing strategy, but even propane with the size that it is, four sales reps, team of 14 people, but we still have a lot of outbound marketing as part of our strategy because it's cheap and it works well. And if you've got a core funnel that works well, once you send someone to that traffic and you know that you're offering value when they land in your world, then it's going to grow. It's just getting more eyeballs on a quality offer. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if you're actually helping people, then you know, you should get as many people into that program as possible. And if outbound is one of those ways, hell yeah, go hard with that. I've actually just started doing that, you know, four months ago, five months ago, it's been a game changer. You you get so many more leads that way. It's huge. And, you know, it's putting fuel on the fire, basically, that you've already got a high quality account that you're sending people to. And I think that's always the key thing. You know, a lot of people think, oh, you know what, I'm sick of organic, I'm going to run ads because organic's not working for me. It's like, we can tell immediately that you start running ads, you're going to be wasting your money because if you're getting zero sales organically, you're going to get zero sales with ads because ads are just more eyeballs on the same thing. And if, if it's got, if it's a shit offer, getting more people to look at the shit offer, isn't going to convert any higher. If anything, it's going to be slightly lower if it's a colder audience. Yeah. Whipped cream on dog shit. Once well, again. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, continental breakfast. So, <laughs> Speaking of all of that, then, if you were starting in 2023, what platform would you choose? I think I'm biased, but I would choose X, aka Twitter, because you can post content on X and you can post that on any other platform after. You know, all my content on Instagram is based off my content on X, all my content on LinkedIn based off X, uh, all my videos, short form video scripts based off X. So X is such a great platform because it helps you cut the fluff. I mean, now you can write more than 280 characters, but if you kind of still stick to that 
280 character limit to write one thought, one piece of actual advice, one story, then you're going to learn to write in such a concise way, in such a way that simplifies the idea and condenses it down. You're going to get really good at, at, at doing that. And once you get really good at doing that, you, you're going to become really good at conveying ideas. If you can convey ideas, then you can create banger content that people easily understand. And when they easily understand, they're, they're more prone to check out your offer, more prone to check out your profile, all that stuff. So I really recommend X. X has got so many benefits too. I mean, the people on there are super high quality. If you get in the right crowds, uh, they have spaces. So it's like Clubhouse where you can go on, talk, and that's a great way to grow. Now you can monetize just by creating content and getting impressions. Mind you, at the beginning, it's going to be absolutely nothing. But over time, I get paid like $100, $200, dollars $300 a month just to create content. I mean, that's cool. And then just the expansion of what's happening on X right now is crazy. So they're going to become a YouTube competitor. They're going to become a TikTok competitor. I think it's the future. I think Elon Musk is one of the smartest dudes out there. You know, love him or hate him. I think uh, if he's sending rockets to Mars and and digging tunnels under cities, I think he can figure out social media. <laughs> and hopefully he can grow X. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's an optimistic view of it as well. I, I really want Twitter to continue growing because it's been the easiest form of social media for us to grow, for sure. And as you say, it's the lowest effort. Like it's, it's a testing ground. You can just bash out. Most of our growth has come from me just doing, you, you might be sick at this Dakota, but the super lazy version, I just bashed a thousand tweets into a CSV file, uploaded it maybe 18 months ago and just let it run. And it's been great. You know, you've just got to make sure you take out any of the ones that are like, Hey, hope everyone had a nice Christmas and it goes out in August or something. But, yeah. but yeah, the type of platform allows you or forces you to be a distiller of complex information and to synthesize the, the key nuggets for everything. It makes you a better writer, makes you a better video creator, a, a, you know, a better um, content creator and a better coach. And as you say, it's easy access. Everyone's on a kind of level playing field where you can speak to and interact with people who normally you wouldn't be able to get access to or, or be on their radar, especially if you follow your approach there of just going for volume with, with interacting with, with similar accounts. The other thing is that there's no need to add in additional skill sets. Most people when starting online have a real fear of talking to a camera. Understandably, it's a very unnatural thing to, to be doing. And being able to just write on Twitter means you don't have to have that, that extra skill set to begin with. Still, obviously, we'd recommend learning video. And I know you're going hard on video at the minute, Dakota, like, but it's, it's a skill set that takes time to build. And in the meantime, you can get started right away. Yeah, man. I tried to start with video with YouTube and it was shit show. I just got so nervous on camera. I didn't know what to say. So I started writing on Twitter and yeah, I built my confidence that way. And then it's like, oh, okay, I can write, I can write a script now and, you know, follow that script. And now it's a lot easier after I built my confidence and learned to formulate thoughts better. So yeah, I, I would recommend it hundred percent. Something I'd love to ask you about as well, because uh, you mentioned that you grew up with anxiety or you, you carried the label of anxiety and you mentioned recently you realized it was a story that you were telling yourself. And when you kind of unloaded yourself of that story, it opened up a lot more possibility. Can you talk to us about that journey? Yeah. So I grew up without a father and I was a big mama's boy. And because of that, I adopted a lot of feminine traits. You know, I didn't have that strong masculine role model and I was very shy, closed off. And that kind of snowballed into, let's say, social anxiety, where I, I kind of got teased as well for being chubby, and that really hurt my confidence. And then I would play the narrative over and over, oh, uh, you know, you're fat, you're not good enough, whatever. And when you play those narratives over a long enough time horizon, you know, it just becomes your identity. And I started identifying as this person with low self-worth and social anxiety. 
and it was, it was a big pain point. Even after I, I got jacked, you know, as the popular kid in high school, I still felt like that little chubby kid inside. I didn't have that confidence. So I believe it was around the age of 20, 21, 22. I read the book, The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. And in that book, there's something along the lines of, you know, your thoughts and feelings are not your identity. You, you have to challenge them. You have to challenge your thoughts. And then I started doing it. I was like, okay, you know, I'd feel this sense of social anxiety come up. And I would just say, be like, oh, yeah, I, I'm socially anxious. And I would identify with it. But then I started saying, oh, I am feeling social anxiety. But that does not mean I, I am socially anxious. And it was that big separation where it's like, holy shit, you know? You know, it's just, it's just a feeling. That's all it is. And it comes and goes. But when you identify as it, you, you act out your identity. If you think you're socially anxious, you're just going to actually embody that. Right. So I started challenging the belief <clears throat> and the thoughts that I was socially anxious and I felt that separation. And when I had that separation, I became a lot more confident. And then I also started to flip the script on it. So whenever those feelings and thoughts would come up, I would look, okay, what are some moments in the past where I was confident? And then I would think, okay, you know, I got that girl's number. I went, I approached her at the cafe or I started small talk with that, the grocery clerk, you know, went up there and ran a mold guy at the mall and had a nice conversation with him. And yeah, I just started flipping the script and then I started stacking these small wins over time and started building up my identity in the direction I wanted. And I embodied that. So that was huge for me. And also journaling. I think like how many times do we sit down and actually sit with our thoughts throughout the day? You know, most of us, I'm super guilty of this in the past where it's, you know, you're just consuming content all day and you, you don't, like a lot of the thoughts we have aren't even our thoughts, you know, like me with being identifying as socially anxious. That was just other people's thoughts I adopted because I heard it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. I'm low self-worthy, a loser. So sitting down with just your thoughts, even with pen and paper and just you writing down, you know, what's going through your mind? What are you struggling with? Or where do you want to go in life? It's so powerful. Well, I, I looked through my journal the other day and was just talking about the goals I wanted to hit. Like I want to hit X number by end of 2023 fucking hit those numbers. Uh, like throughout like the, all the shit I wrote down is crazy. It's just come true. It's not some like woo woo manifestation shit. It's just setting your intention on stuff. And when you set your intention on stuff, you know, when you're going off path and then you can course correct. So it's, it's super powerful to sit down with your thoughts and highly recommend doing it with the journal. Because, you know, if you just sit there and think, you know, you bounce from thought to thought, pen and paper, you were actually forced to think on one thought, a cohesive thought in depth. So that's something that jumps out at me from hearing your story at the beginning as well, is that you picked up a method, you separated planning from execution, and you just had an intention and you executed on it. And I think that's a trait that is so simple that it's easy to kind of overlook. But if we look at our personal training clients, you know, when you, everyone, all coaches have got the experience of having that one cyborg client who just follows the plan. And then 12 weeks later, they've just shredded and you're like, what the hell? Like what? And, and they're like, well, I don't understand. I just, I ate the protein targets you gave me and I did the, the reps and you're like, if only more people could be like that. So yeah, there's an incredible focusing power of just having a plan, not, fucking with it and just executing on it. So there's a lot of really good stuff you just mentioned in that. And thank you for being so transparent on that as well. Cause I think a lot of people really relate with it. Um, first of all, the, I am anxious or I am angry or any of these it's built into the language where we self-identify and we mat our identity straight into that emotion. So being able to disidentify and recognize that it's just sensations passing through awareness and they come and go, but we are still here and complete is massive. And it looks like you've taken both an inside out approach doing that and the outside in approach of generating that stack of proof that you are who you say you are. 
and yeah. letting go of the old labels. Yeah, it's it goes in either direction, right? It's always the the stories we tell ourselves. Like, you know, oh, I'm going to eat this chocolate bar because I've had a rough day and you know, I deserve to, you know, pig out all that stuff or or it could go the other way. It's like, you know what? I've had a hard day, but you know, I'm going to reward myself with, you know, the protein smoothie because, you know, I love my body and, you know, X, Y, and Z. So it can, it can really go either way and you can reframe pretty much anything. You can reframe pain to as fuel or you can be a victim, right? You can, you can go either way. So just uh, being really intentional with the stories you tell yourself and, you know, think about, okay, what direction do I want to go? Cause I can go either way. That's a great point that you could see the protein smoothie as either self-abuse or self-reward, depending on your framing. Yeah. Yeah. The journaling thing is really powerful as well. I've had a journaling practice for, for many years and you're right. It helps you distinguish what are the thoughts that are actually coming from me and what are the recurrent problems that I'm always dealing with. And you look back and, okay, how can I fix that bottleneck versus the mindless consumption that you mentioned, which like <laughs> we're all so guilty of. And you find yourself just pressurizing yourself with other people's thoughts and other people's goals. And it's very easy to forget that without those external influences, we might have a very different attitude to life. So this is why I think we need to be so careful about who we follow and the information that we consume. And it's, it's not even a, it's so obvious, like we're so careful about what we, what we put in our mouths, but not what we put in our minds. And this is just unconsciously programming your brain. So that was part of the reason why I dumped a thousand tweets into a CSV. Cause I was like that, if that keeps me off the platform, then at least I can focus on the stuff that I've intentionally chosen to consume. Yeah, man, it's, yeah, it's just like your diet, you know, it's maybe you don't see the effect right away. But over a long enough time horizon, you're going to you're going to see that you pack on the pounds or you pack on the muscles. So being intentional with your brainwashing. I mean, right now, the people listening are being brainwashed. It's I would say it's in a positive direction, but it can, uh, you know, you go on TikTok or Pornhub or whatever, you're brainwashing yourself in a different direction. So it's, uh, yeah, being very intentional with what your goals are and consuming the content that aligns with it. hundred percent the content that you consume becomes the substrate for your thoughts. And so if you can choose to only consume information that you've paid over a thousand pounds for, like you're going to improve the quality of your thoughts. Like it's, it's a no brainer. So yeah, I recommend anyone, if you sign up to a paid program, whatever it is, if it serves your goals, substitute Netflix and whatever else entertainment for just the program and see what happens. Something that you mentioned as well, of you wrote down some goals and you look back and you're like, oh yeah, I've hit these numbers and you just kind of blast past them. You've basically gone from the overweight, socially anxious, low self-esteem kid to where you are now. You've achieved fame in a sense, um, the money you jacked, the expert status, all those things. Has that impacted your attitude to those things? Like, do you see money in a different way now that you're in this position? Yeah, I very grateful because I, I didn't really have much growing up. So it's cool because once you start making more money, you, you see the value of things for what they are in a lot of ways. So if you can afford something, it's a fine line, but if, I mean, if you can afford something, you now, if you can afford different things, you're now evaluating it. Price is out of the equation. You're just evaluating it on what it is. So it's really cool where you can look at things. You, you just don't even look at the price tag and you're like, oh yeah, like that seems like the best choice. Um, it's also can be a double-edged sword too, because then you can start buying dumb shit just for the sake of buying it. I mean, I've, I've definitely been guilty of that lately, but, uh, I don't know. It's more of a tool. I mean, you can hit yourself over the head with a hammer or you could build some something cool with it. And I, I just see money as a tool and I, I'm very grateful for it. I just, it's like a, 
it's like monopoly money in a sense. Like it just doesn't have as much value, but it does. If that makes sense. it's like when you don't. I I think a rapper said this. Like you know, having money is having money isn't everything, but not having it is or something like that. I just thought because it yeah it becomes yeah. a consuming thing when well the the drowning man I can only yeah. think about air or the hungry man can only think about food the the sick man can only think about health it's only when you get it out of the way that you alleviate the pain and then you're like oh actually that thing that I was looking for it wasn't really in that like yes it's nice what it represents the achievement or whatever but there wasn't that kind of it's not it's not like deathbed regret stuff yeah man it's it's cool and especially when you can take care of your family too, right? Like I, I think that's the main thing a lot of us want to do is, you know, make money so we can buy our siblings nice stuff or, you know, retire our, our, our parents and and just uh, really take care of the people that are special in our lives. And that's that's the cool thing about making money. Also buying dumb shit. I bought a lot of dumb shit. You, you're totally funny, right but... though. Like being able to retire your parents and get your siblings some good stuff is much more satisfying than the lambo i say with my with my lambo parked outside yeah. but uh <laughs> man it's been an absolute pleasure I, I i love the journey we've taken over the last hour um how can we find out more about you yeah so my main hub right now is dakota robertson.net um another canadian social media marketer with the name dakota robertson took.com oh, so dot net <laughs> bitch um but uh yeah dakotarobertson.net is you know my site and then uh my main social media is i'd say twitter that's where i have my base takes that's wrongs to write w-r-i-t-e and then instagram if you want some wacky reels yo dakota for sure wrongs to write give him a follow you will love his stuff and he's he's a friendly guy he'll he'll actually respond to you so send him 25 dms every day and uh make sure their voice notes yeah make sure their <laughs> voice notes up to the maximum limit and just tell them you oh god yeah well thank you but i appreciate <laughs> thanks for for flooding my inbox but also thank you for having me on oh, I, uh, he loves really dick pics by the way as well <laughs> oh yes please give me big girthy ones oh sign me up <laughs> thing. just try and get all the angles if you can like portrait mode underneath on top just Anything you can, please. Bonus points for video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dakota, thank you, my man. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs>